Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, aptly named, don't you think, Austin? Uh, it's my favorite podcast. It's my favorite name for a podcast. And there you go. He's chiming in. I didn't even totally, I didn't even totally introduce him. It's Boston. You know him as Austin Ward, or maybe it's Austin. I know him as Boston Ward. That but might work. Uh, here we are, uh, Boston. The college football season just ended, didn't it? Uh, man, for two months that really felt like a long long time without yeah. football to me yeah so i'm glad that spring ball is back and it, it is kind of it's funny because i was trying to i was writing about the, sp- the spring preview the other day i was like it's only been two months since the fiesta bowl it feels so much longer and ryan day said that the other day it was like yeah well there's guys that are injured because they've only had eight weeks to rehab and they had they couldn't have surgery until early january a lot of guys get a little snip snip a little tuck here yeah, and there and, and etc it's like what well, you know and that, yeah from that perspective you're right it hasn't actually been that long yeah and uh but it is crazy because I mean, I, you know, I wish we could watch every practice. I mean, I'll be honest because I used to get to watch every practice way back when, ladies and gentlemen, back when I first started covering it in the olden days. But back in the last century, uh, you know, and like I like I like I told John Cooper one time, I see him more during football season and during spring training. Than I see my wife, which was true. But you, but now you know, boy, these these chances to watch an entire practice or just give you glimpses into what's going on, you can really glean a lot from it. We're going to get to watch three plus the spring game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's already in the books. But, you know, just my takeaway from the other day, and I, I don't want to get into that because we've already had a couple of three uh, moments, uh, video moments on on uh, LettermanRow.com uh, about what we saw in practice and stuff. But just in a particular sense, uh, I, just, I, did, I just see moments when I look out there and I can – I can almost imagine sort of the pressure some players are feeling. Either they're, it's their first time on a true practice field with Ohio State. Yeah, they've been working out in the offseason program, but now you got the helmets on pretty soon. <clears throat> you'll have the shoulder pads on, and it'll be, you'll be practicing real football, and that's when you can show that you belong where you are. Not only belong where you are, but that you belong to be on the playing field. And there's a lot of pressure there that people don't understand because, uh, you know, these guys come into Ohio State when they're recruited thinking they're going to play at the next level, meaning the National Football League. Yeah. And, but first, you got to prove yourself on this level. And suddenly, you know, you've got, you know, youngsters out there like a Paris Johnson. And he is a youngster, even though he's a big youngster. He's a husky. <laughs> uh, but uh, you've got him next to like a Josh Myers, you know, or, um, a Thayer Munford, and those are grown as, to pardon uh, an Urban Meyer uh, euphemism, those are grown-ass men, and you're right there next to them, and you're trying to prove your worth, and you're on the defensive line, you're trying to do the same things. So with that said, if I had a, uh, I don't know, a mascot kind of player for for how important this spring is for him in particular, it would be Demario McCall. A familiar name. Yeah, and the reason I brought that in up is because we were talking about that a year ago, and we yeah. were talking about that a year before that, year maybe. Before that. Yep. And and yet you look out there, and one of the guys that impressed you from that first practice, a guy who seemed to embrace the moment and then uh, take hold of it and seize the moment, was Demario McCall. And because uh, they're trying to figure out a way, where does he fit? You know, is he a slot receiver now? Uh, do are you going to have to move him back and be a running back because the running back situation at the moment, which is the, the first week of March yeah. seems dire. I mean, yeah. it's a long time between now and the opener against Bowling Green. But, uh, you know, I don't know if that caught your attention or not. I know it did because I brought it up to you. <laughs> well, 
I I get so many questions about Demario McCall. You know, it, it it's going on. However long I've been doing question of the day uh, at stops before Letterman Row. Yeah. Then he's I've written more words and and taken more questions about him than probably any player at Ohio State uh, in the last five years. He is a a player that is fascinating to people outside the program. Why do you think of, that? Wait, why do you think that is? Well, I've I've never really understood it, but he had, you know. People latched on to the social media, you know, motorbike pictures. And right. when he's been interviewed, he does have a very engaging personality and a lot of confidence in himself. Uh, those are two things that generally endear yourself, you know, to media members, to fans. Uh, other former players that we've talked to, I've had tons of conversations with Beanie Wells where he wants DeMario to have the football. He loves what he can do. Evan Spencer has broken down on Buck IQ numerous times yeah. for how he could help in the passing game and you know, a running back likes him, a wide receiver likes him. Um, you know, you've seen Ohio State and the coaching staff try to find packages and way to use him. I think the problem with DeMario McCall has always been that he can do so many things, uh, you know, at an above average level, but he's never been an elite player at any one of them. And some of that has been an injury concern multiple times. Some of it has been, I think, maybe the fact that Ohio State has um, – jostled him back and forth from positions and hasn't allowed him to train in just one area. Um, you know, another part of it is that he's continued to have issues with uh, ball security. And you ask if, if he stood out to me and I was watching him right off the bat, he was out there returning punts. And I know that it's one uh, small sample size in one day, but he put one on the ground. And yeah. I, I noticed that because I'm always watching DeMario McCall so that the next time I'm asked about him, I can say what I've seen. And, but you know, but so did Garrett Wilson. Absolutely, you know? absolutely, and and some of it is they they might hit the ceiling, yeah. And but yeah, the touchdown at the end of practice from C.J. Stroud, uh, a contested. It was a great throw from Stroud. Uh, you know, but McCall had to make an adjustment to turn around. He had good decent coverage on him. Yes, go up and make a play. Come down with it in the end zone. I'm gonna remember it. I was stood. I stood right there, and I'm not gonna forget about it. He, you've said it about him a bunch of times that the light could come on. Yeah. Sometimes it takes five years. We thought it might be year four for him. He made the play, and it happened, and it counts. Yeah, and no, you know, it's, it's, it, it was not in a game, but he's yeah. got fourteen more of these, and he might have to face a decision. But you touched on it. I mean, the, it, sometimes when they, when they, in real games, when they've, you know, when it's sort of been his turn or his shot, either there's been an injury involved or the dropped, yep. the dropped, uh, the dropped kickoff at one point, which made a game into a game that wasn't a game. <laughs> and hey, I think that was the well, game. Wasn't it, it was the game. You could have gone four there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, blah 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 blah. But it reminds me of the guy that won the first Columbus five hundred. You remember that guy's name? You weren't even here. You weren't even born when the first Columbus five hundred was run way back in the mid eighties. His name was Drake Olson. Okay. And he had a great line after this after this race because I remember I did stories on him. Obviously, he just won yeah. this uh, new race. He had started up and ran through downtown Columbus. It was actually pretty cool. It was, it, it was the uh, uh, prototype cars and stuff, and really sweet. And he it was in a 962 Porsche 962. But he had this great line. He go, I go, well, what kind of what what's kind of the reason you've been held back? You think as a race car driver? Because clearly he was talented. He goes, I never had the luxury of crashing cars, meaning. There are some guys who come up, they're ordained, and they've got so much talent that a, a an owner, a team owner, takes them under his wing or a team sponsor and allows them to go out and what I call investigate the edge. 
I should be talking about this on my Ant Speed podcast with Mike Shane, but it allows him to go out and investigate the edge. Helpful plug. And sometimes you go over the edge, which means you yeah. crash, but you have the luxury of having another car there available to you by your team because they know you're so good right. that you will take care of it most of the time, but you will crash occasionally. Some guys don't have that luxury when they're beginning race car drivers, just like some football players for whatever reason get kind of caught behind the eight ball and it's like almost every chance they get is critical to them proving themselves to someone a lot of times it's self-inflicted you know putting yourself behind that eight ball i think a little bit of that might have been demario from the standpoint of exuding some confidence that maybe he shouldn't have had early but because, you know, that rubs some people the wrong way. It doesn't rub me the wrong way. I've always liked DeMario. Yeah. I mean, we've had conversations about him. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Beanie's always liked it. But he's an example of a guy. This could be his spring. And, and the situation is now different for him because, as you said, sometimes it's, part, sometimes it's what the player does and sometimes it's not. Ohio State is an extremely – this goes without saying on this show. It's one of the most talented rosters in college football. Yeah. It's not like – so Garrett Wilson did get the chance to find that edge last year when he muffed a punt, and Demario might not have had that in the past. Uh, they've gone to make changes, but he's actually got, in terms of special teams, I think he's got pretty uh, a lot of opportunities and a relatively long leash. But on offense, was he going to give you something at tailback that J.K. Dobbins could not, or Mike right. Weber before that? Probably not. If you were lining him up at H back and you got to go, you know, way back, and some was he going to give you something that Paris Campbell couldn't do? No. Uh, if he was about there at wide receiver, was he going to do something that Terry McLaurin couldn't do? No. And, you know, he's not got the biggest frame, so running between the tackles is not right. going to be the strength for him. So you're trying to find these things. And I just – I do think that there is an element with him where you can carve out a very specific role and get him a couple touches. But it, it's not ever going to be, for me, where DeMario touches it 10 times and gets a rhythm or becomes a regular target on third down or can replace KJ Hill. I just don't think he's that kind of player, but it, it also doesn't mean that he ha doesn't have uh, great athleticism or could run away from guys. If he got an open right. field, he could do that. But, he, but I mean, he could, you know, he could have a, the, the, the words you haven't used in there, which is, which is what you mean is opportunities uh, from the standpoint of extended opportunities, because he's always, you know, he didn't show that he was a better running back than J.K. Dobbins, so or Mike Weber, yeah, and uh, or uh, Marcus you know, Crowley or, even last year, or Master Teague, yeah. you know, last year, yeah, and, and Marcus Crowley he was behind him. He got into that Maryland game. He was fourth in the pecking order. That was like right. The coaching staff has no reason to just put him there because they don't like him. They do like him. They want right. it right. It's, it, but he's not a true running back. And so what you're saying about opportunity now for this spring is also true because there's only two healthy scholarship running backs. Okay. Now he's not in the backfield. But see, this this is the conundrum. Is <laughs> that is yeah. Okay. Because you want to use him in that slot. Yeah. Because I'm telling you something. He's a matchup nightmare for most of the teams they're going to play against uh, in that slot, going against whoever that guy is covering him in that slot. Because we, as we've talked about a million times, the rosters you go against at Ohio State, with a few exceptions, and I don't even, I'm not even sure Oregon's on this level again yet, but it's pretty getting pretty close. Uh, they don't have that third corner that can, like, shut down, like, a guy who's got quicks, yeah. like a Demario McCall. You know, I mean, they don't have that. And uh, so I would – and you're right, but they may rob Peter to pay Paul and, and use him more at uh, running back because, you know, we saw Master Teague the third, uh, number one running back going into the spring. But, you know, late in that uh, first 
the first uh, preseason practice. We saw him hop off, and he never he didn't come back on. Yep. And that's sort of been his cross to bear is he can't stay healthy or at least healthy enough to totally prove himself. Uh, I think he's got enough video from from last year, if you don't count the last couple of games, uh, to show that maybe he should be first out of the gate but uh, in, in, in August. But, you know, and Marcus Crowley is missing. You got Steel Chambers sitting there. I mean, I think Steel Chambers has got some potential without a doubt. But yep. then after that, who have you got? You know, Demario McCall might get forced back in there. And really, it's the moment when he probably should be showing what he could do in a slot situation. But if their intent <laughs> – if their intent, as we've talked about, I keep saying we've talked about it, so ladies and gentlemen, go back and watch some of our podcasts. <laughs> but if their intent, like I've talked about, they're loaded. They don't, they won't admit it yet, but they know it. They're loaded at wide receiver. They are. They're figuring out ways to get Garrett Wilson on the field with two or three other guys, meaning Garrett Wilson will be on the field no matter what. Yeah. But with two or three other guys, you could put him in the slot. And, and I thought that, uh, Ryan Day said it best. You know, he's got this these abilities to 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 go up and make plays. To go, up, I mean, that would just that astounds you when he's out at the X or the or the Z. But when you put him in the slot, I mean, now he's going against like I guess uh, say lesser guys, and he is not he is not afraid of going up for balls, of making ridiculous catches. He has that ability, and that that is a quarterback's best friend in a giddy up offense. So I'm just. I keep looking at this offense going, man, this just shouts, you know, 2018 all over again with a little bit more running. Well, it makes you wonder, you can go two ways with this maybe, with DeMario that, you know, he's not going to crack, in my opinion, a top six wide receiver for this group. He's, he's not. Uh, because if you're going to play Garrett Wilson in the slot, that probably means that you think Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming, just for starters, are going to be on the outside. And what we saw – from practice you almost get one. tongue tied when you name them all, don't I, you? Well, absolutely, because because you then want to go well. G. Scott and Mookie Cooper, they're yeah. right. Chris right Olave there. and Olave wasn't even out there yesterday, yeah. and, and Jalen Harris got some uh, some good burn with the starting re- unit out there for the first time. So, you know, does that mean what does that mean for Demario? Like, I know we're going to move on from that, but you left out my man Jameson Williams. Uh, j- yeah, juiced up Jameson out there with his speed to burn. So, like they've that. Why put Demario there? Is that's an interesting question because. Yeah. You're so short in, in the backfield, you know, and you can move him later. He's played wide receiver in the past. It just makes you wonder. And the other part of that, if you're talking about 2018, does that mean that you're possibly going to start putting in some of that stuff where you're running from the slot, from the wide receiver? You just you just nailed the you just you just put the nail in into the wood there, buddy, and then you hit it with your hammer because that was a bad analogy. But you know what I'm talking about now because the the thing that sets those kind of guys apart, a good slot guy. In my opinion, if you can take like a Jalen Gill or a Demario McCall who was a running back and you put him into a receiver position and he's got enough quicks to get open, but then all of a sudden you've got a running back running amok in the backside of a defense as opposed to a you know fancy-dancy wide receiver. And that's why you do that. Well, and, but it gives you the options of doing what you're talking about. And if you're talking about 2018. Brian Bashnagel. And even before 2018. Okay, so Paris Campbell is the new model for that. And I'm not going to put Demario McCall in a Paris Campbell yeah. comparison. I did that last year with Jalen Gill, and I didn't come out looking too hot on that. It didn't happen for him. He's still got that same sort of build and maybe the same athleticism. We'll see when he gets healthy. But but Brian Day, as he pointed out, when J.K. Dobbins is going well and when 
KJ Hill is going well, you don't you don't, you don't take to, them out of the game. No, and you don't have to mess with it. But yeah. that's the other part. Like you, you identify those guys and, and take advantage of it because as you're talking about, when Paris Campbell gets the edge, you're not bringing him down. You're not going to find him. You're not going to track him down. When Curtis Samuel got the edge and he got comfortable catching the football, yeah, what you can do with him is very, very different, and it makes you so dangerous because the difference between that 2018 offense that you're talking about where you're going to air it out and really feature the wide receivers is that Dwayne Haskins didn't want to run. So if if Ohio State finds out that they they don't like what they have, they don't think they can give Master Teague 25 carries like J.K. Dobbins or Steel Chambers doesn't run with the job or Marcus Crowley continues to you know struggle with the knee coming into fall, well, you still have the threat of the rush Correct. with your quarterback. Correct. So I would think of nothing that could be more terrifying than bringing back the pop pass that J- J.T. Barrett used to rack up 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns with a bunch of guys coming right in front of him, giving him two feet, get the edge. Dwayne Haskins, end-around stuff, uh, you know, give it to Paris Campbell, let him get the edge. So I think you know, last year that didn't that really didn't feature in the offense the way no. that I thought it would. No. And they didn't need to they didn't because need they it. had J.K. Dobbins. But in 2020, and we're, we, we're going to talk about the running backs we're talking about today, and we're going to keep talking about them until – you know, September rolls around, but the answer to the running game may not be a running back. Yeah, but here's the thing, that when you've got a Justin Field, this is the beauty, and uh, we'll get into the quarterbacks here in a second because I know you're champing at the bit, and I used, yeah, to use the term <laughs> champing. Uh, <laughs> when you're champing at the bit and you're chomping at it. I'm chomping. To uh, get to that part, but when you've got Justin Fields, you've got a running back in the backfield. Your other running back doesn't have to be J.K. Dobbins especially when you've got receivers like they do, you've got the threat of the option with another running back in the backfield. You've got the threat of the uh, option, which could be an option, fake, fake jet, boom, take it, you know. And the great thing about that little JT Barrett plays, if, if the guy coming yep. across, I'm not going to name names, drops, it's incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> incomplete pass. Well, and I, well, unless the guy at Birmingham takes a look at it, he may call it, well, there was a chance yeah, to catch SC, that ball. SEC and, replay booth. And uh, that guy didn't take full advantage of getting to catch that ball, so it's a fumble. It was a football move. But uh, but I digress. Uh, but the bottom line is, yeah, that's what you have. But but so before we move on, we're, you know, as we, as we record this, Ohio State's one practice in to – 2020 spring practice. They're going to practice again on Wednesday of this week, mm-hmm. and then they're going to be gone for a week and a half for spring break. I think they're going to practice Friday. We just oh, they are. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, well, three. They'll have three, and then they'll go for a week, a uh, week and a week and a half, and then have another one. You know, which is a kind of a kind of cool. Kind of gets everybody's yeah. feet Act- under. Yep. Alabama used to do that. Still does that. I mean, I used to marvel at them being able to do that, and like in Ohio State, having to jam everything into a quarter. You know what I mean? That's what they yeah. tried to do. And uh, because of the semester ses- system gives you all kinds of advantages in that regard. But back to what I was saying, so what do you th- what do you think? DeMario got a lot of lot, lot of opportunities in that first practice, which is not, you know, things are scripted. Yep. Now, they still got to throw you the ball, but most of the time you're trying to throw the ball to a certain guy in those kind of situations. So I, I, I go back to my original premise – they want to see him make it or break it, right? Yeah. And, you know, as you said right off the top, like the spring is not going to be the same for everyone. If Paris Johnson, this is your day one. You're you're going to have urgency and you want to compete for a starting job, but you're going to do it for a long time. Yeah, for, and you're going to make mistakes. For two guys in particular that you watched out there that are, you know, well into their careers at Ohio State, 
they would potentially have a graduate transfer if they needed it. Justin Hilliard on defense. Wait, let me interrupt. Uh, I brought my small mug. Go ahead now. <laughs> just fuel it up for, fuel <laughs> yeah. it up for a long podcast. Yeah, yeah my, but, and, my and, truck stop mug. And I'm not suggesting in any way that like these 15 practices are going to be the be-all, end-all, and then they're, they're going to need a Joe Burrow f- answer at the end. But for DeMario McCall and Justin Hilliard, at a minimum, you know that it's your last year in the Ohio State program. It's your last spring, and the, if both of those guys got a lot of opportunities yesterday. Yeah. Justin Hilliard was out there as a starting linebacker. Now, part of that could be Baron Browning's hurt. Part of it is he also played pretty dang good when he yeah, got yeah. out there at the end he, of last year. He, he so, produced. So, you know, these guys, the clock is ticking. And I know we've said that about DeMario McCall before, but for – if Ohio, State, if Ohio State puts you out there, you run a route, you need to catch the touchdown. Because, as you know, this isn't the first practice. You're not in Paris Johnson's shoes anymore, or you're not in Jackson Smith and Jigba's shoes anymore. Yeah. If you don't produce in this spring, and you, you, you've talked about this, you're pretty interested in the way Ryan Day runs spring camp. Yeah, we'll get in a second. Yeah. This isn't like, okay, whatever, get to the end of spring, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah. This is – this is the this preparation. is get on the train. So, and if you can't prove that you can do it now, yeah, you're not that opportunity isn't going to come back in August. Well, we, let's go ahead and talk about that right now. I mean, I, the, the, I, uh, I'm stammering because I, I, I like the way <laughs> I got Ryan, you off script. Well, no, I just like the way Ryan Day put it the other day. I mean, it, we're, what we're seeing, we're seeing the uh, more of an NFL kind of approach, right, to spring ball now because you know you've got a pretty. Uh, uh, a pretty complex off-season workout, you know, call it off-season. Yeah. Uh, these guys don't call it that. Off-season up, leading up to spring, and then in between the spring and the opening preseason camp, they they can do so much many, so much many more. Where did that come from? So many more things than that are allowed now that weren't allowed even five or eight, Absolutely. ten years ago with yep. the players and stuff, where you can actually work on certain aspects of football. Um, that Ryan Day. It was interesting the way he put it is, you know, this was the first day of practice pretty much leading up to the opening game. <laughs> and uh, the spring game will be practice number 15. The first practice in August will be practice number 16, yeah. which means, you know, he's from the NFL, was in the NFL for two years, uh, saw that the way they ran things there with the OTAs, et cetera, building toward, uh, uh, building toward the point. Um, you know, you've got uh, Kerry Combs back after two years in the NFL. He understands that process. Greg Madison was in the NFL. He understands it. Uh, Brian Hartline was in the NFL. I'm getting redundant here, but yeah. I mean, it's just sort of a uh, Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach. It's it's just interesting to me how that approach is. You know, and in, in essence, they're sort of installing now when it comes to like plays or schemes or concepts of where they want to go with the offense, which may be a little different. From a year ago, from and from two years ago, and like I said, you get get on the train now, or you can be left behind by the end of spring football. I mean, you can become an afterthought, a an emergency player, but you may not become that regular dude. Yeah, I think, and you have to have enough veteran players that allow you to do it. Yeah, like that would be the way, you know, Ryan Day wants to structure it every dude, single year. Fourteen guys showed up for spring ball from the signing class. Uh, a record for Ohio State. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Go ahead, now. and it's a and that's a a huge deal for them because that it's going to sound crazy, but that means by August that they'll be 
you know, they're not going to be expected to be freshmen. They will be veterans of what the practice looks like. That sounds crazy. But, <laughs> but you don't have to waste any time in August with those guys, with 14 guys. That's a huge percentage of your roster that know where to go on the practice field. I've, I've, you've been to enough of these, as have I, back when all of them were open. Those first couple of days of practice, you've got guys basically saying, hey, you got to go over there. There's your position, coach. Like, yeah. Go to that part of the field, and this is what we're about to do, and holding up flashcards. And now you watch the way Ohio State practices, even in the spring, that clock doesn't ever stop. Period one, five minutes, boom, on to period two. They know exactly where they have to go. You know, they're on the microphone. You're telling you which part of the field you're doing, what drills you're running. Don't waste a rep. They don't basically they the don't approach. waste anything. And that's yeah. I think that's also part of it when you don't have to devote a ton of extra time to or this is just gonna be uh, ten minutes of uh blocking and hand placement here. Like it's all incorporated into the drills for them and it's so seamless the way that it runs. And that goes into your your broader picture here that you're talking about, Tim, with practice one to practice sixteen. Like the whole thing flows throughout yeah. the entire season. There aren't interruptions. But they you're being judged. And the main thing here is you're getting judged every moment. I uh, mean, you're being judged. Without a doubt. There's video, the video cameras. There's how many they have well, now? They're like video, 15. I mean, they're, video, <laughs> they're videotaping mat drills. They're videotaping right. the strength and conditioning workouts. The, everything, as you said, everything is judged and being graded. And they let you know every single day. They might not put out an official depth chart, but you've got those those three colors where they're ranking you. Yeah. And they know they're telling you instant feedback all year round. And not only are they grading and giving you something, but the fact that you actually get to do these workouts, you have the eight hours in the summer per week. Uh, you've got the, all these extra, you know, uh, quality control coaches and people running yeah. around, even when you can't use a football and you've got your iPad and they know how much you're studying and an extra, extra work you do, even if they can't make you do it, it's, it is 12 months a year for them, and I remember just when I started covering college football, that wasn't the case. You were going to have two or three weeks uh, late May and June, uh, or you might even not be in summer school. You're not working out with the team for a few weeks. That didn't always exist. What do you think about that, though? I mean, what do you think? I mean, I think, uh, you know, even you and Will Crawl and uh, Jeremy Birmingham took a vacation. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, they they have spring break next. Spencer week. Holbrook's still jealous about it, you know. But uh, I mean, even y'all took a break from it. Of course, in the middle of your break, I worked on in the middle break, of your in the, the middle way. of your break. Uh, yeah. A couple of players got. Uh, I, I did not stop working. Got arrested and kicked off the team all almost in one fell swoop. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, what do you think about? It? I mean, I don't think you can grip that long, man. I mean, and the thing about it is, if you're really sincere about what you're doing and where you want to get to, not only in a not only in a playing standpoint, but like you said, get to the next level. You know that these guys have helped people get to the next level. Anybody watched the NFL Combine knows how many Ohio State players were there. Uh, I mean, so you know it's possible if you. But how how long can you grip like that, man? Well, it's an incredible commitment, and that's one reason why when we talk about Ohio State players at the NFL Combine, and Spencer and I go there, and I'll be the first to say that I would be biased for them. Just because I know I've got to know them, watch them develop, grow up. It's not uh, it's not cheering uh, for a scarlet and gray colors on them, but the people that you know, what they had to go through at Ohio State. Devon and Hamilton, is, and this is just one, yeah. you know, one spring practice. The you know the matrils, but uh, people. I'm not saying this applies to everyone, but we know firsthand 
the insane amount of commitment that it takes to get through Ohio State's program. Yeah. And when I say that it's not the same everywhere, I mean that. Yeah. And that does show up when these guys get to the NFL level. So um, I'm not sure what my point is there. But well, here's your how, point. How, how, how long the your grip? point? Your point is is as good as you are when you show up at Ohio State. There are guys as pardon the expression as gooder, you yeah. know, and. <laughs> There are guys that are better. I mean, there are guys, or you're, at least you're equal. I'm looking there. I'm looking at right tackle. You know, Nicholas Petit Frere was one of the great signees of the last several years, last minute signing with Ohio State. Uh, lost the battle in the final analysis, I mean, according to the coaches, for the starting job last year at right tackle, although he did play uh, quite a bit. Uh, Brandon Bowen beat him out. And, uh, and then yesterday, I mean yesterday, when we're video, when we're taping this, it was yesterday. Uh, he's out there. Brandon Bowen is walking on the sidelines. He's trying to, you know, show the NFL that he deserves a shot. He didn't get invited to the yeah, combine. I was surprised but, by that. But there's there's Brandon Bowen walking, and there's Nicholas Petit Ferrer out there. And who's who's hmm. standing next to Nicholas Petit Ferrer? Paris Johnson. Johnson. So the prove yourself, the thinking you've arrived aspect, hardly ever comes into play at a place like Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson uh, unless you're just a freak over the top kind of player like maybe uh, Chase Young was yeah. definitely a freak over the player top not maybe uh, but <laughs> but you know you do, you never can relax because uh, they're looking for the the next great player at your position uh, and and this is what was interesting yesterday about I'm looking out there and I saw the uh, number one offensive line standing with it standing off to the side after like a, a a couple of reps. And there's Josh Myers with his new buddy at left guard, Harry Miller, as I predicted. Yeah. They're going to try to figure out a way to get Harry Miller on the field. Cause, He's going to be there. I mean, yesterday when uh, when Ryan Day was asked about him, he didn't effuse like he did the year before when they signed <laughs> Harry Miller. But Harry Miller's a hell of a player. And, uh, and then you've got Thayer Munford returning at left tackle. Yeah. You've got right guard. Wyatt Davis might be the best guard in the country. I think he will Correct. be. Correct. Yep. And then right tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere. But then there's this hulking freshman who wants to make a name for himself right out of the gate. Has, has left no uh, secrets on the table that he wants to try to become a starter. But I just – I looked at that. And that was a really – that's why when you look at Ohio State in 2020 – you know, you, you know the guys that they lost. But see, as a coach and even as a media guy, you shouldn't really spend too much time on who's not there anymore because that's not – college football is about yeah. is about who's it's, next. It's not going to change. But that having that offensive line back the way they do and with the guy stepping up a, a couple of five stars, <laughs> you know, uh, Harry Miller and Nicholas petit Freer are the next guys up in there, five stars, and there's a five-star standing behind <laughs> Nicholas petit Freer. And then you look, and running, I think, second team yesterday, I may be wrong, was Enoch Vimahi at left guard. That's what I was going to say. And that yeah. guy, you know, was a kind of a late joiner to the class, what, a year ago. He's determined he's not like, – the way we understand it's not going to go on his, his uh, uh, missionary yep. uh, mission – and is going to stick around and play football, man. He's chopping at the bit to play left guard. It's just amazing what they've got going. Well, and it's pretty remarkable if looking at that offensive line to compare that to when I first started covering this team, in 2012, and got here shortly after Urban. Every year, the first seven that I was here, they were one injury away on the oh, offensive yeah. line. It took them oh, yeah. a very long time to get that depth chart and the recruiting sorted out 
to where you had this situation. It, d- it did not happen overnight, not even close. And you look at the last couple of years and now building into this, this will be the deepest, most versatile offensive line that I've covered at Ohio State. And it's one of the most versatile and athletic that I've ever seen. And that is a mouthful, but I think it's definitely true because there's an opportunity. Brandon Bowen has said this himself, and uh, Jonah Jackson said it last week at the Combine. They could be much better than last year because of what you just said with Harry Miller. Enoch Vamahi, uh, I've talked to multiple people inside the Woody who believe that this guy is a an NFL draft pick. Yeah, He's put on, uh, and that part of that was if he would stay and be committed to football, and they didn't pressure him on that missionary decision one way or the other, but he saw what could happen for him and what it would mean. And I think he's put on close to 40 pounds in the last year. And that's all muscle on this dude. Make no mistake about it. Uh, the two guys that you talked about at right tackle, when you have both of them were rated number one in the country coming out of high school at their position, both five stars, both number one, they're going head to head for a position. Uh, you have, they took a project on in Dewan Jones yeah, and he's out there at left tackle at six foot eight, 360 pounds plus, and, and look at a hell of a lot better and, than he was oh eight my, months ago. Oh, my gosh. The footwork is like yeah. he's been – so Crazy. I, I've, I've sat here before and talked about the struggles from Greg Studrawa and the misses. Berm has talked about the recruiting misses that led to some of the situation where it took until 2019, 2020 to get here. That guy's done a hell of a job developing I never got sucked linemen. into that because I always thought well, Greg had it going. I mean, you still – it's what are you working with? You know what I mean, and uh, and you're right. I mean, sometimes you got to get something going to make it attractive, which is, yeah, man. People have different ways of attracting people. I mean, of attracting talent, and definitely he's got something going there. I mean, it's undeniable. I think that you know, I asked him about this at uh, the Fiesta Bowl, and you know, he doesn't didn't shy away from the fact that that 2018 unit was not his finest work, and not everybody's going to be perfect all the time. We all make mistakes, and in 2018, whether it was not being able to uh, incorporate the RPO blocking scheme or get the aggression that he wanted, or maybe even making some wrong personnel choices when you had Wyatt Davis that at the end of the year was clearly ready to go and and needed an injury to get into the lineup when Demetrius Knox gets hurt. I mean, mistakes happen, and I think that he took a, a long, hard look at that. He realized what he needed to do not only in, in the room with the talent that he had and maximizing that, but also, hey, I need to be committed uh, a little bit better to this recruiting process. We're missing out on guys in Ohio. Like, you know, He t- took a bunch of heat for Jackson Carmen. Yeah. And you put him on that unit, then things look different. Now, they wound up with Petit Frere anyway. But um, here, here, Here's the thing. What, would, what could – I mean, obviously Jackson Carmen didn't make a bad decision. I mean no. – He's pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, turn on the video from even the uh, the uh, Fiesta Bowl, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But <clears throat> you know, I, I don't get too wrapped up in. Rec- I, I get wrapped up yeah. in multiple recruiting losses, but not. It's kind of hard to say because, but not individual. Of course, individuals are when you have about eight of those, it yeah. becomes multiple. But sometimes guys don't want to go. You know, like Jordan Hicks didn't want to go to Ohio State. He wanted to go to Texas. You know, what do you say about that? Even though he was. Inside the boundaries, you know the the, the the radius. Yeah, but Jackson Carmen clearly c- could <clears throat> have played anywhere and probably been a first year starter, and that was one that got away. And and I don't want to. That's Berm's got his own talking stuff that he can do to dive into that. But I yeah. I, I think <clears throat> even that year, you just look. 
I only read, I don't need to, we don't need to go back and relitigate 2018, but you know, the Michael Jordan move didn't work. Uh, you know, it took too long to maybe get Wyatt Davis. Well, but, see, but, but that's one that they even talked about later. <clears throat> I think even Urban Meyer talked about that later yeah. about second guessing because Josh Myers was kind of ready near the end of the year, but they didn't, they wouldn't make the move, you yeah. know, cause things were still going pretty damn good. Yeah. And I, but I, and I get all of that. So my point was to say that I think that Greg Sudrawa deserves a lot more credit than maybe he's getting. If he's going to be blamed and you wanted to fire him at the end of 18, you also have to recognize the value that he's bringing to it right now. And why is that important? Because he's going to have to make hard decisions between Harry Miller and Enoch Vamahi. He's going to have, if Paris Johnson continues on this track, and that's one day without full pads on, without actually having to try and block Tyreek Smith. I was going to get to that. Or Zach Harrison. You just preempted me. But, I was going to get to that. But it it's still <laughs> significant. He has to still make the decision to say, uh, you know, Ryan, I want Paris Johnson to get some of the reps with the ones on day one. He he's got it. They they have to pick. You said that with the script. They chose to do that. He wasn't out there by default or luck, or they flipped a coin. Just jump it in there. He flipped a coin, and you get the next rep. They chose to have him out there. They they believe that he can compete for the starting job. Yeah. So you have to get that right. You have yeah. and and by the way, that doesn't mean that Thayer Munford is guaranteed anything. No. Uh, or or anybody else. You have as you as you've said, and you've hammered home on your podcast here. If it's practice one and, and practice sixteen is in August, the evaluation is now. So he's got that opportunity, but Greg Studrow is going to have to manage this correctly. You can't get it wrong, but you also have fewer opportunities to get it wrong because you've recruited so well. Yeah, but here's here's the way I would manage it. I'd play those guys. I mean, I, I would play if if Enoch Vimahi shows that he's ready. Mm-hmm. I play him some. I mean, I play Paris Johnson at right tackle. I mean, specials, and they will in those early games. Uh, well, maybe not at Oregon. We'll see how that goes. I mean, they may be the perfect matchup at Oregon. <laughs> but, uh, but Harry Miller's got to play, too. You don't want Harry Miller to sit two straight years nope. <clears throat> without becoming a regular yep. because he will slide over and be your Remington, uh, Remington contender in 2021, correct? Yep. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, I've watched that guy move around and stuff, and then you think about his smarts, and you've, you know – you, you you put all this ability and then put the smarts on top of it, you've got quite a computer walking around out there, you know, a robot. Uh, I think that's what they'd call it. A robot moves moving parts with a computer running it. But <laughs> but I digress. That's way off the topic. But the bottom line is uh, those guys have got to play. But I want Paris Johnson because Paris Johnson, you know, this is a, barring injury, this is a three-year deal. Yes. I mean, yeah. uh, and it's probably the same I would think it might be the same with Harry Miller. We'll see where it goes. I mean, we thought Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis may leave. They didn't. Yeah. So never pre, never definitely presuppose that something's going to happen, but the possibilities are there, and you want to get the most out of them. As, uh, as I told you before, Sean Spring said when he left after his fourth year, but his, it was his junior year, uh, you know, I didn't tell him to redshirt me my freshman year. They did that, you know. So you better – you better use them while you got them, and and more and more in college football, that's what you're seeing because the guys who get unhappy may be in the transfer portal. But boy, the more guys you can play, the more, and they can be on a team that's doing things like this team has the possibility of doing again, mm-hmm. just like they did last year. The the happier they are, and uh, the more they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, and and that's the other reason that you, when we have this conversation about the rushing attack. Almost anybody, I feel like you could put out there behind Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, this offensive line. 
they're going to move against people. most defenses. Yeah, mo- but you know they're yeah. going to move almost everybody they face. They're yeah. those guys are both first round picks in my mind. And and again, maybe I'm going too strongly to bat for them. But what I watched on from them last year was remarkable. I think that if people wait too long to pull the trigger on Jonah Jackson, they're missing the boat because that guy actually led the team in knockdowns oh. last year. As, as Spencer, watch the videos, I like yeah, to say, as Spencer wrote about last yeah. week. So, yeah, but that's when you when you pair that offensive line with a quarterback like Justin Fields, who's going to test everything, every part of the field that a defense could have to defend. I mean, it almost doesn't matter who you put at running back because yeah. you're gonna yeah. that offense is gonna be really good. Hey. Uh, Last thing before we go, and uh, I'm you just, said I was I'm, champing. Yeah, yeah. I think I even forgot what I was champing about. I'll <laughs> talk about something else now. I think this is what I was champing about, though. But Justin Fields. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this in our post practice. Uh, what do you call that? Practice report. Yeah. By, brought to you by Byers brought, Auto. Brought to you by Byers Auto. But by the way, it was cool sitting standing next to George Kaufman. That he's practice. A good, he's a great guy. You know, I've always liked him, man. I've got he and I. Anyway. He and I go a little ways back. It's pretty cool. But uh, but I digress. Uh, Justin feels the difference. Man. I mean, and think about how good he was last year till he hurt his knee, and he was still pretty damn good after that. Yeah, he was. But just think about how good he was and what we thought about him in that first practice in spring. Talk about getting on the train and riding. Because he didn't – he looked – when he was just standing there, he looked like a five-star. And when he was running around a little bit, but he didn't look like a five-star running the offense because, you know, you immediately – what you get to see, you immediately make judgments on guys, which is, you know, what's that old line? You only have one chance to make a first impression. And uh, so you're going, man, he isn't anywhere near the passer that Dwayne Haskins was. They hope he can run. And then you saw him just evolve as the season went on. Forget about – from August to September, September to November, his ability as a passer, just if you were paying attention, got better and better and better, which tells you what a great athlete he is because he's seeing and then doing, mm-hmm. or he's being instructed and then doing. There are very few people. And uh, who was that who talked about that late in the year last year? Was it Mike Yersich or uh, it was one of the offensive coaches, Kevin Wilson maybe, who talked about how what's cool about that guy is <clears throat> you can talk with him conceptually about something, and then he can go out and do it. Right. There aren't very many of those people out there, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, and then just to watch him in the first day of spring practice 2020, how in command he was, how he looked like, you know, when you're growing up and you've got a neighborhood team, and he's what I call the Mikey Fuquay. It was a guy on our neighborhood team in <laughs> Alabama. <clears throat> or my big brother Ben when we moved to Texas, uh, the guy you wanted first. First draft, uh, yeah. Any game, any game. Yeah. Any now I was always picked by my big brother Ben because they put me at quarterback because they know I didn't like to get hit and <laughs> and, and I could get rid of the ball yeah. and I was pretty accurate. <laughs> but uh, but you know what I mean. There are different reasons why people yeah. are. But he looks like that guy that the team can rally around, and I'm not sure he had that that aura about him a year ago. He he didn't, and I was thinking about that yesterday because I couldn't I couldn't shake it. It's like man, yeah, it's really only been. 12 months and 14 months just in Columbus and that's what he looks like because you know we got all these questions from March to August why is Ryan Day not naming him the starter yeah and for me I was like you know I know he's going to be the starter Justin Fields knows he's going to be the starter Ryan Day knows he's going to be the starter everybody around knew that he was a five-star for a reason you want him to know he's going to be the you want him go ahead but it was it was easy to understand why he didn't say it because if you had just the 
you know, two, three practices that we got to watch, one like yesterday, you knew that he wasn't in command. You knew that he wasn't able to go up and tell Chris Olave, hey, this route needed to go here or, or you know, go point out stuff to the receivers. He wasn't able to do that stuff. And so he wasn't the clear-cut, defined leader. He was the best athlete. As you said, he's your number one draft pick for a reason, and you want to win with him. But he hadn't to – be, to be the starter at he Ohio State – He hadn't grabbed the team yet. You, you, yeah. you, that takes time to become that. Yeah. And now you watch him, and everything he does, you know it's at a different level. And that's – sometimes it's hard to describe that when you watch it and it's an open practice and you're trying to put that into a podcast or trying to put it into a story, like what you see. There's just he's, – he's very different. And JT had this as well, this leadership quality that is hard to write about and describe to people, like why – he never lost the starting job because you you could there was a different feel and he won games and everyone respected him and I'm not saying that wasn't the case yeah. last March with Justin because people respected his athleticism but you watch the command now and when he, when he's just running a simple drill or you know throwing it over that net that he couldn't get that drill down right last year but everyone's talking about well the accuracy's not there well that because we saw him be inaccurate with what they were asking him to do yeah that doesn't happen anymore yeah. Don't you don't want him walking up to the dunking machine now if you're sitting on the stool. <laughs> no, he's that's for sure. He's knocking you down. Yeah, the bottom line is, I mean, it's like you're talking about, it's just basically he's taking command. But the way you take command is the guys that are around you know that you have the answers. Mm-hmm. And not only that you have the answers, but that you you will lead the charge if in fact, you know, you're going up San Juan Hill. <laughs> and uh and he, you know, and he's and he's, you know, that's what he looks like now. He looks like that guy. The question is, and that's what I was champing at the bit to get to. Is who's going to be? You got to have you got to have that backup dude. Uh, you know, Gunner Hoke. This is his opportunity. Uh, there's no denying that C.J. Stroud of those other three. And I thought Jack Miller looked pretty good, but C.J. Stroud, man, getting him late in this recruiting class, uh, it could be like sort of like picking up uh, Justin Fields in the transfer portal. Uh, who knows where it's going? But it looks like a pretty good pickup. Yeah, I, I tried to temper temper, temper last week <laughs> w- with Gunner, you know, talking about Gunner Hoke and how I know you it, did. Well, but I'm, I'm not going. to – Hey, I don't see. That's like when everybody was down on Demario. I mean, I'm not. I don't like to get down on guys because when they get their opportunity is when they may rise and shine. I mean, and uh, so I don't ever. I think all these guys are out there trying and trying their best, and and given a situation, you never know who's going to step up and and take it by the bit, but. There is no doubt about C.J. Stroud and what he brings to the program. So, like I wanted to make, I wanted to temper that because he's he has a lot of the offense to learn, and Gunnar Hoke now knows that. Um, and you also don't want to be too down because we saw Justin Fields struggle on day one last year, his first right. practice at Ohio State. So Jack Miller, uh, you know, I'm going to be completely fair and leave the the book open. But his first practice, he did some of those that same struggling. If we're being completely right. honest, right. For somebody going through their first practice at Ohio State as the quarterback, C.J. Stroud did that about as well as you possibly could have. Yeah, and he wasn't. And he wasn't flawless, ladies and gentlemen. And he wasn't. But but knowing where you, where you have to be on that learning curve and grading it a little bit that way. Yeah. C.J. Stroud came in ready to play for day one. Now, will he be perfect on Wednesday or Friday? Maybe he won't be. But for a first impression, as you're talking about, that made me believe that C.J. Stroud. Uh, is as a leg up to potentially be, and he could be ready to be the backup um, by August. Now, it's not fair to also compare him to how Justin Fields went from day one to September, 
and expecting C.J. Stroud to do the same is not really realistic. Yeah. But if he's going to get significantly better from March 2nd until September 1st, look out because this kid has the ability to run. That touchdown to Demario McCall was on the money in the first time he's running team tempo drill, and he goes down and leads to a touchdown. Those are the things that stick in your mind. No, what you're trying to say is he hitched his wagon to Demario McCall. Yeah. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what you're trying to say. Don't put those words in my mouth. That's what you're champing at the bit trying to say. I'm going to spit that bit if I'm being honest. I want to tell you something. This is what's interesting. I'll, we'll go after this. Uh, but that's why the spring game uh, – the battle's about for the backup starting quarterback excuse me, backup starting quarterback. Backup quarterback yeah. job at Ohio State. That's a that's a major position in college football if you've been paying attention over the years. And it's up for grabs. Yep. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's why the spring game's gonna be interesting. Uh the the, the secondary the guys that were missing, maybe missing most of spring, you know, if Cam Brown, they really need him, I think, to come back and yep. get in the flow a little bit. Josh Proctor, I think they had a handle on him at the end of the year, but he needs reps like everybody really else does. does. Yep. Uh, we'll see where that goes. But uh, they're definitely – they're filling in the blanks there. At uh, the, And we'll get into that in our next podcast. But they're, I think the spring game, with all these young receivers all wanting to be – because all four of them aren't going to be regulars. There are going to be a couple of them that jump out and just, you know, in that first practice, man, Julian Fleming jumped out to me just like I thought he would. Uh, uh, but as Ryan Day said, all four of them did something that flashed. And uh, Jackson, <laughs> Jackson Smith Nigba, yeah, he was catching everything thrown, and he even caught one pass that would have been out of bounds in Canada. I can't remember who threw it, but he came into the into all the media that was standing there with didn't bat an eye and caught a ball over his shoulder. Yeah. Remember that? It was like seven yards out of bounds, yeah. <laughs> but he never took his eye off the no. ball. Kind of like Willie Mays when he ran into the fence, you know what I mean? Uh, either the fence stops him or he catches yeah. the ball. And uh, that guy, we haven't even – let's save that for our next deal because the depth, the quality that they brought in at wide receiver, now we got to watch them actually practice the young guys with the older guys well, you know, give some people a little bit of a taste and we'll go. You know why you're talking about the spring game and these competitions over 15 practices with the wide receivers and these quarterbacks? You're going to get probably extra reps because you just can't work on the run game. Right. You're not going to give uh, Master Teague and Steel Chambers double the reps just because it's spring and you want to do They never it. do in the like, spring game. You have to. That's where people get hurt, by the way. You have to. Fo- <laughs> you're not only focusing on what you want the offense to look like, but you still have to structure practice based on the personnel you yeah. have. You're not just going to bang your head into the wall trying to run with a couple walk-ons or a guy who used to be, uh, you know, a former defensive back. If you have, if you need to sort out what C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and Gunnar Hope can do, and you want to, you know, you want to zip through a learning curve with Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba and G. Scott and Mookie Cooper, yeah, and you like, then you're going to throw the football all spring, yeah, and we're going to find out a lot about what. Those receivers and these young and plus, quarterbacks I mean, look like. And this is nothing new anyway. I mean, uh, uh, get Rex Kern or one of those quarterbacks, uh, or Corny Green or somebody to tell you how much they practice <laughs> throwing the ball with Woody, and then they get to the games, they ran, they throw it six times. Well, we know? know that this coach will will throw it. <laughs> yeah, this guy will throw it. Uh, yeah, he's in it to win it, so to speak, or in it to wing it. And uh, <laughs> But, ladies and gentlemen, that's the uh, Tim May podcast, and I appreciate you tuning in. And, uh, yeah, we were a little bit deep and heavy on what's going on with Ohio State football because that's what I 
cover. That's what uh, Boston, you know him as Austin Ward, covers. I bet and, they don't mind. Yeah, and I think the the hardcores out there, they want to know what we think, what we're seeing behind the scenes, people we see rising, et cetera. We're going to get Spencer Holbrook in with us on our next cast, though. Maybe we'll have a threesome there uh, uh, sitting here talking about things, about what's going on, because he pays attention, too. And uh, But until next time, this is Tim May. Uh, on behalf of Austin Ward, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.